This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Hey folks, welcome back to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host. And today on the podcast, we've got a great conversation for you with Dr. Jason Young. He is a keynote speaker, executive coach, and consultant. For over 20 years, he has been on staff with several churches, including Life Church and North Point Ministries. He currently guides leaders and organizations to thrive by becoming the healthiest version of themselves, building engaged teams and crafting a meaningful guest experience. His clients include Chick-fil-A, Bayside Church, FedEx Ground, Gorilla Glue, Delta Airlines, Abundant Church, Rooms to Go, Christ Fellowship, and other respected churches and companies. Jason is a best-selling author with six books for the modern leader. His newest book, Don't Burn Out, Burn Bright, guides leaders to prevent exhaustion and burnout to ensure greater joy in work and life. This is a, a fantastic conversation and full of uh, meaningful and uh, actionable insights on this very uh, important topic, uh, not just for leaders, uh, but for everyone. You can find out more and connect with Jason at drjasonyoung.com. He also provides a free leadership assessment that can be found at don'tburnoutburnbright.com slash assessment. You can also connect with him via Instagram, instagram.com slash drjasonyoung. As always, all these links will be in the show notes, and uh, we hope you enjoy this conversation with Dr. Jason Young, and with that, I'll turn it over to Richard. Well, I think those of you who have listened to this podcast for a while know one of my favorite things to do is just talk to other leaders. And I do have the privilege of meeting leaders in business, in church, uh, in all kinds of uh, areas of life. And it always is encouraging to see how people are just uh, figuring out how to make a difference and how they're letting God use them to make their world better uh, solving problems, uh, helping others. And, uh, and so along the way, I've just met some outstanding leaders that are filled with wisdom. And I'm really excited every time I can bring one uh, to you as listeners to be able to learn from what they've learned. And today we got another one of those special guests, and that is Jason Young. And I'm going to get him to introduce himself uh, to you, tell a bit of his journey. But uh, I, I've known Jason for a while. He was actually a student of mine in a doctoral seminar a little while ago. And um, and he has uh, a new book that's out that he's wrote, written along with uh, Jonathan Mom called uh, "Don't uh, Burn Bright, Don't Burn Out, How to Thrive in Ministry for the Long Haul. And uh, I had a chance to write an endorsement for that. And uh, certainly when you see the rate at times of burnout, you know mm -hmm. that this is still a very pressing issue. And so it's something I think that would be great just to talk about today. And so, Jason, welcome uh, to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you for letting me be here. And tell, tell us, you know, I know you've had a very rich uh, leadership background yourself, but give us some of the highlights of where God has taken you and where, where he has you today. Well, uh, most of my work career, if you will, has been on uh, church staff. And so those roles have been in teaching pastor, uh, guest experience pastor, volunteer pastor, leadership dev. I built a, a leadership school at a, at a church. And so it's, it's looked different ways, uh, exec pastor type roles. And so that's what most of my time has, has been. What's interesting alongside of that is being able to do some things outside of the church. There's this entrepreneurial uh, <laughs> thing inside of me. And so I've been able to work with some uh, other churches and 
it's been interesting how that has evolved. And uh, over the last you know number of years, that's not just working with churches, but moving into working with uh, companies. Some of those, you know, most of those being Fortune, you know, companies. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's just been fun to coach and consult with leaders in churches and also in companies, you know, really doing very much the same thing. The language looks a little different. The context is different, but it's still doing some doing some great work. And so it really is a joy to be able to work in both of those spaces. Yeah. And I, and you you got you were working when I first uh, got to know you. I think you're working with Andy Stanley and his network of churches. And tell us what you did there. You had a really unique uh, focus in ministry there for that group. Yeah, so I started there uh, over the guest experience um, responsibility. So really, how do you build an experience for guests that would then invite them to come back again and again and then to bring people with them? And yeah. so with that came the volunteer experience, because I always say the staff experience determines the volunteer experience. The volunteer experience determines the guest experience. So how do mm. all of these three, while well, I was only really playing on kind of the guest and volunteer well, as time progressed, me being there, um, eventually worked for Andy directly. So that gave me the staff experience opportunity on how to kind of impact all three of those spaces, you know, uh, reporting to him um, and just really being entrusted to do a lot of great things by him. And mm-hmm. that is one thing that he does really well is trusting other people to do great work. And so that role kind of took on some operations and, you know, some financials and things of that nature. And so just really grateful for what I learned there and probably made a bunch of mistakes in that (laughs) journey, but I learned from those as well. And so I think I have to credit him uh, in a lot of ways for, you know, learning a lot of lessons and and helping to shape who I am today. And, Mm. and I know this is going to sound, you didn't even know I was going to say this. (laughs) Um, I, I think one of the most profound things back when I was 16 is I went through experiencing God. Wow. And that was, if my wife were here right now, she would tell you this. We've talked about this many times. Uh, That was so important in my spiritual formation. And really that phrase, I think, has impacted where I'm at today. And, you know, find where God's working and join Him there. Hmm. And so I think for me in what I do now, coming off church staff and only, you know, working with churches and companies, for me, again, this is just for me, I, God was working in those spaces and I felt his invitation to join him in those spaces. How long will it last? I don't know. But Mm -hmm. I knew for me, again, that statement impacted me 16 years ago. It still impacts me today. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm doing what I'm doing is because it's like, God says, join me here. It's where I'm working. It's where I want you to be. And so that's why I do it. Wow. And uh, just uh, speaking of leadership, you also have some kids, don't you? I do. So I have uh, almost, let's see, our daughter's almost 19 and uh-huh. our son, he is almost 15. And uh-huh. Stacy and I, she's a therapist, uh, which, you know, it's always interesting to be married to a therapist. Uh, I say that jokingly. She's great. But we've been married almost 22 years. So we have, uh-huh. yeah, we have a great family. Wow, good for you. And one last question just to yes. throw at you here. Uh, you, what I find interesting is that you also are an English major in college, mm-hmm. which my two younger kids who went to the same uh, university you did uh-huh. are also English majors. And um, and I find that you can you can poke fun at an English major in some ways and say, what you know, that and... Uh, you know, four dollars will get you a latte, or not even four dollars anymore. But yeah, um, but 
it actually is, I think, very effective. It's a great foundation for a lot of work, like what you do. And how, how have you found, knowing English, studying that, how have you leveraged that into the work that you're doing now? It was not my intention whatsoever, Dr. Blackberry, <laughs> to, to do English, um, to do liter li uh, literary studies. There was a professor, Dr. Sepko, at uh, where I went to school, and she used to just nudge me and mm -hmm. and ask me questions and invite me and because that it's not what I was majoring in at the time. Mm. And so she says, Jason, I just see things for you that are going to be in speaking and writing. And I'm like, I mean, maybe, you know, and she said, but if you can learn to write well, if you can learn to read well, if you can learn to do those together, it helps you in every aspect of your life. So I ended up changing uh, my major and looking at, you know, English lit studies and Christian studies. And I will tell you this, I still credit her. In fact, I, I sent her a message the other day, just really crediting her because that that was very helpful for me because I did learn things about writing and reading and interpreting literature and, you know, on and on and on. And so now, lo and behold, book number six, I'm like, man, she knew what she was <laughs> she was talking about. And so wow. it has been helpful. In fact, my kids majoring in English and creative writing um, mm. in, in school right now, we always talk about, you know, learning English and learning how to read well and write well, communicate well. I don't care what your role is, it is really, really helpful. Yeah, just the power of words. Yes. Whether you're speaking or writing them, uh, putting them in a memo, but uh, words are powerful if you use them well. And so you obviously have done that. Sepco taught both my kids. In fact, my daughter had a book club where she and a bunch of her friends and their mothers would read a, a, a book of classic literature together. Wow. And Sepco asked if she could come join the group. And so she, she when you got a, a, a high octane English teacher sitting in your, your reading <laughs> club, uh, but she was there for several of their, their meetings and uh, she loved that, that a bunch of her students students were, were doing that on the side. But well, you've written on uh, really burnout. And, uh, and and so tell me why you, you've done that. Because there's, I mean, people know that that's an issue. But mm -hmm. uh, why, what led you um, to focus on that yourself? Yeah, I think seeing it, seeing it so mm -hmm. much, people talking about it, I was doing a lot of research in the literature. And, you know, when I start seeing, you know, 37% of pastors say they're at high risk in the moment for burnout. I'm like, okay, it shouldn't be this way. It's funny. I, in, in, in undergrad, but primarily in seminary, I used to hear, uh, I don't know that it was like an overt thing, but it was like burnout is just kind of part of the journey. Yeah. And I guess I kind of bought into that. And as I moved along and kind of experienced in years, I started seeing people, and I thought, well, I I guess it is. It's it's almost like it's a little bit of a badge of honor because you're like all in. It's proof that you're all in. But the older I got and the more I kind of stepped back, I thought, you know, burnout and leadership is not inevitable. Mm -hmm. If it's not inevitable, then how, uh, what do we do about it? So uh, um, the book is interesting and you know how the book world goes. This book was actually submitted to the publisher and it was rejected because... Oh. The publisher said, uh, "This because it was about how to recover from burnout. And they said that the market is saturated. Hmm. And I thought, well, that is true. But at the same time, what's also interesting is we're seeing the highest level of burnout while we're seeing the most saturated market with books on burnout. So 
Hmm. What is the disconnect? And it was a beautiful thing the publisher did when they pushed back. So we, Jonathan and I got together and we started having these conversations. We started looking at things and it is easier. It takes less time to prevent it than it does to recover from it. And you don't have all the damage from it that you're hmm. recovering from. So we started spending time on the front end of it, went back to the publisher and they said, that's it. We're going to focus hmm. on not just preventing burnout, but what would it look like to take the light inside of you to burn brightly? So the yeah. book, yes, is about preventing burnout, but I think it's more about how do we keep the light inside of you burning bright? Yeah, and you and I both know so many leaders who none of them started out into on their leadership journey anticipating that would ever happen to them. You go into leadership because you think you can change the world. You yep. can you can grow a great church. You can help people, and and it's tragic when you see the light go out in in leaders' eyes and they and the dream dies uh, in them. And it's a it's an awful thing to to watch that happen. And uh, but you, you you know you and you mentioned that in the book. And you you just you just uh, said it. But why why does it take so long if you have burned out? Why does it take so long uh, to, to recover from it? You know, we're, especially those of us as Christians, we, we know the power of God uh, to change uh, and heal and so on. Uh, but, but why is it that sometimes it can be a, a kind of a long journey to get back from that? Well, I mean, if we just speak practically, um, when you're at a place that you are burned out, You've got nothing left in the tank. And so there's that. But then you've got nothing left in the tank to try to help you get back to. So, I mean, you're, you're just not at a great spot, right? And well, mm -hmm. you know as well as I do the tentacles of impact to your maybe kids or to a spouse or to your church, to your business, you know, to your circle of friends, whoever it might be. So, you don't have really much of anything or anything at all to start the recovery process. And on top of it all, you still feel the burden of the everyday responsibilities that you have got to do. So when mm. do you have time? Where do you find the energy? You're on the edge constantly. You're, you know, what might be a, a little bit of a kind of a, a burden here is a massive mountain. So everything gets exacerbated. Well, it just seems to get worse and worse and worse. You start questioning your own worth. You have no energy to address that. You, you just don't see things the way you used to see things. And what's interesting about burnout, it's, it's, it's really technically a psychological syndrome. Hmm. It's not, if you know, you know anything, if you're listening today, if you know anything about the DSM-5, this Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, it doesn't classify it as a disorder. However... The World Health Organization classifies it, you know, as something that we should pay attention to because of the impact that it creates and the devastation mm. that it can create. So when we think about burnout, uh, it's a little bit different than exhaustion. Sometimes I hear people kind of use these terms interchangeably. Exhaustion is I'm tired. I got a lot going on. I'm kind of beaten down a little bit. But if I could change my calendar, if I could change a few decisions, if I could, you know, get a little breather, like I can, I can turn things around, right? Burnout is not that. Um, yeah. it, it is more yeah. of this psychological syndrome that, that is deeper and takes longer to recover from. 
Yeah, and I've known, and I had a friend who's one of these dynamic pastor types that were just going hard all the time. There's a whirlwind of energy, and then literally one day he can't get off the couch. Like mm. he's just stuck on the. He can't get up and you know go make himself a sandwich. He's mm. he is there's, there's nothing left. The tank is empty, and of course that's. Yeah. I guess partly why it's it's hard to recover from because there's certain things you need to do, but you don't have the energy to do it. Um, and you say in your book, you know, and I, I think it's right. It's it's not just that you're tired. Uh, yeah, burnout is not weariness because yep. I mean, if you're if you're leading, if if you're serving in the church, it, inevitably you're going to be tired. Uh, you're going to put in long days and sure. have come home bone bone weary when you get there. That's not burnout. Uh, but you also talk about kind of an, uh, an emotional exhaustion. Yeah. And it seems like that's far deeper, uh, more difficult thing to deal with. And a physical exhaustion, you fall into bed. You, you go yeah. on, a, on a vacation. But emotional exhaustion is a different thing, isn't it? It is. And so when you talk about emotional exhaustion, that's where you begin to trend towards the burnout side. It, because it is a psychological aspect versus, yeah, I need a, a vacation. I need to... I need to not have meetings back to back to back to back. I need to, you know, there's some some massaging of your schedule and time and things that can help you to, you know, regain some of that energy. Well, whereas burnout, like it's not that fast. It's not that easy. Right. And you cannot do it alone. I mean, it's not a solo journey. The challenge with a lot of pastors, I mean, I see this in the business community, too. Who do you tell? Because yeah. if you say something is it an indictment on you as a person? Is it an indictment on you as a leader? Is it a declaration of weakness? Is it a declaration that I can't do this? Look what I've done to myself or look what I've allowed to happen. And so what do you do? You stay quiet. You try to fix it by yourself with nothing left in the tank. And the fact of the matter is you can't and you're mm -hmm. not supposed to. And so if you're mm -hmm. listening today and you're like, you know what? I think I'm there. It's identifying who is best. And I talk about 11 types of people to have in your life, yeah. but who's, who is helpful to have in your life that you can begin this journey to just start where you are and to move where you want to go. It's nothing that you're going to be able to move on from, but there is an opportunity for you to move forward and move forward in a way that's healthy. I, I, I was given a, a talk the other day and I said, you know what? It doesn't have to be this way. And so like, it's like drawing a line in the sand and saying, you know what? I don't have to trend towards burnout. I don't have to trend to this unhealthy, kind of this hustle culture. Like if you're not hustling, you're not a good leader. Yeah. And so we yeah. hustle is fine in a sprint, but hustle for the marathon, we're not created to do that. And it just can absolutely kill us on top of, you know, leading people and all of their stuff. So one of the things that is very common in burnout, especially with pastors, um, is emotional labor. It's the, and we mm. see this massive blossoming, if you will, or acceleration during the pandemic. So yeah. you've got your own, imagine you've got your own emotional stuff to navigate, your own family emotional you know, things to navigate. But the labor of helping people navigate their emotions too, sometimes you take yours and you put it on the back burner or on the back back burner. And you, so it is laborious to help people navigate their emotional world. And yeah. sometimes you don't even tend to yours. And that's where you're, if you're not careful, that fire begins to go out. Yeah. 
and uh, and it and it's one of those things that can be a, a like a slow drain too. Yes. It's not like it's one traumatic phone call and you're suddenly empty. It's That's uh, right. You hardly notice the air going out uh, until you're completely deflated, and then right. suddenly you can't get off the couch one day. But and I know a lot of Christians, just especially ministers, feel guilty because hey, I'm a man of God. I how could I? You know, I've got the Spirit of God within me. I I must have sinned. I must not be very spiritual. I, I know colleagues that have bigger churches than me, and they're they seem to be thriving. Why? Yeah. You know, why am I burning out with half as many people to care for and uh, lots of guilt trips uh, that don't help any when it comes to try to get out of the burnout. No, one thing that you said is is really fascinating. I didn't actually write a lot about this. Uh, there's some in there, but after the book, uh, you got all these ideas, but it's too late yeah, at that point, right? Yeah. So I just yeah. talk about them in, in, in conversations <laughs> like this. Um, but when I think about like uh, trauma is a is a kind of a buzzword today, right? Not everything's a trauma, but there are things that mm -hmm. are trauma. What's interesting about traumas is it's what you just said. So if you have like type A traumas, these are things that um, you should have had as a child you didn't get. Uh, type B traumas, bad things that happen to you, that typically gets a lot of attention. But what you just said is a type C trauma, and it is found in comparison. Hmm. And so comparison can actually inflict trauma, which is a, just an overwhelming of the nervous system, and it can keep us there, keep us stuck, because we do what you just said. If I compare long enough, there is a, a massive effect or a massive impact on me. And if I'm not careful, I find myself in this vortex, this spiraling down, and then I find myself on a couch. And I'm like, how did I get here? And it's what you said. Yeah. It's a slow leak by what I listen to, what I watch what I allow myself to do. I mean, there's all these contributing factors, right? Yeah. But I think comparison, it, it is a trap and it can actually contribute significantly to burnout. It's just a slow comparison. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, again, going back to COVID and all of a sudden all these parishioners that used to come faithfully to hear you preach every week are online and watching six or seven other preachers with their, and many of them have got way bigger production, mm -hmm. uh, you know, stages and sets and, and staff uh, to make that their people look a lot better than you look. And now your people are suddenly you know, there's a buffet out there and they're mm -hmm. checking it all out. And uh, if, if you begin to be hard on yourself uh, and or people start saying, well, how come, you know, you don't do this or you don't do that or I'm listening to brother so-and-so over there and uh, lots of uh, pressures. I, Jay, something I was going to ask you and I'll, I'll just get a little bit of private counseling here from you while I've got you online. <laughs> I, you know, for I'm, I'm a I'm a type A kind of driven person. Uh, I I, I just, I work hard, work mm -hmm. long. Um, and you know, my, my daughters, uh, one time she was kind of getting after me and saying, dad, you, you know, why do you work so much? And I, I said, well, I, I mean, I, you probably need a team of psychologists to figure that out. But, but I said, one of my problems is that it doesn't feel like work to me. Like mm -hmm. I like what I do. And so, and I, I noticed, uh, in some of your comments, cause you, you, you co-author this one, but uh, I caught uh, you uh, confessing that, you know, you you tend to enjoy. I mean, you work hard, and you and you like when you like what you do. 
Um, to me, it's always been kind of seductive. I've had friends my entire adult life warning me. I was like classic uh, setup for burnout. You know, they, what, most of my friends, it wasn't a matter of if I burned out, they were just laying bets, you know, when it was going <laughs> to happen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but I would say I've never burned out myself, but, um, but I've just about burned, I've, I've almost burned out others mm. and, and particularly my wife, uh, my family, um, and that's been for me, I suppose the bigger challenge is because I kept thinking, well, I can keep pushing it and I still, yeah. I've got capacity and I, and I, you know, I'm, I can go hard and, uh, without, uh, for a long time, but I wasn't noticing that, you know, my wife was dropping off along the roadside behind me. And that's, a, that's an area, but maybe when you write your sequel <laughs> about how do you avoid burning other people out? That's uh, good. Because, you know, there's some people that are, and I, I, I mean, I guess I put myself and I, I suspect you're probably there too. Mm. We have a high capacity to get a lot done. We, we, because we enjoy a lot of what we do, we can do it longer maybe than someone that was just putting in their nine to five. But, mm-hmm. um, but we, what we don't realize is that our kids are the ones paying a price or our spouse is paying a price. They don't have the same capacity or desire to just have me at work all the time and um and and of course we keep thinking well it's just for a season you know Mm. it's uh it's just i i know that i haven't been around much but as soon as we get past this deadline and you know then this busy season and and then it never happens and so i i began those those hollow explanations to my wife you know as soon as things slow down you know uh, that I, it took me a while to start paying attention to, to realize, because you think, I don't think I'm burning out yet. I think I can go a little, a little longer, but it's, mm-hmm. yeah, but what's happening to all those around you, uh, yeah. slow down for them, if not yeah. for yourself. And, yeah. uh, I think that is a, actually a, <laughs> a really great idea that doesn't get explored very well. It's what's the, what's the impact on, on other people. Um, you, you said you said something we can drive and drive but but our but I think our minds and our bodies they're like there are these thresholds that we have to be you know mindful of um, mm-hmm. and so yeah I it, it is a I love to work I love the work <laughs> that I do if my again my wife and kids they know this I will say this as just in full vulnerability and maybe you know you or those of you listening you've been there. I hardly ever missed any activity that my kids did physically. Hmm. But what I have noticed is just because I'm there physically, because that's important, dad might not have been there emotionally or mentally. And so that's another one of those things you may be listening going, yeah, but I'm there. I'm like, "But, but are you? Because the power of one's presence is very, people are attuned to, is Jason here or not? Is dad here or not? You know? And so I think that's one thing that my wife has really highlighted through the years is, um, and she says, you know, you're, you prioritize being here, being at the kids things or, you know, and I, and again, like I love, I love working and she goes, but just remember that physical presence is only a piece of it. Yeah. You know, and if you cannot bring your whole self, People pick up on that. She goes, you may not could do it all the time. She goes, but it's something just to be, you know, just to be mindful of is, is it okay mm. to be a driver and a hard worker? Absolutely. However, I have to be mindful that 
I do need rest, which I'm not great at. I, I talk about this in the book. It's, you know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't give myself an A in, in this area. Um, <laughs> but I, I have to ask myself the hard questions. Why do I like to work so much mm-hmm. and so hard? Like there's probably some really great deep reasons. There might also be some reasons that are selfish or yeah. for me, you know, self-esteem related. I don't know, man. Maybe this is about to turn into a counseling session. I don't know. <laughs> but there's probably some of those things, yeah. you know, so I have to be careful of. And to your point, how is what I do and who I am? How does that impact my wife and my kids and my family and, you know, my parents and, you know, things of that nature? Because I need to show up as the best and the healthiest version of myself. Therefore, I need to make the best decisions, the wisest decisions in order to do that. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm a firstborn child. I'm a, Same. The, the, I'm the uber responsible one. If, if all my siblings are going to drop the ball, like I'll be there. And, yep. and, uh, and, you know, I literally, I mean, I remember years ago, I, I had some kind of issue going on. I, it could have been cold. It's, I mean, ultimately we thought it was colon cancer or something. I, I've got a lot of physical issues going on, but I was so busy. We'd moved from, uh, South Carolina to Atlanta and I was, I literally for maybe six weeks, I was never home on a weekday. Mm. So I, I mean, I need to go see a doctor. I need to find out why I'm, you've got you know, bleeding issues and all these different things going on. And I was like, I got to wait two months until I can go see a doctor and find out if I'm dying or not, you know? And mm. it was like, and my, my family finally sort of sat me down and just said, Richard, like, like this is a priority you don't have to but i mean but it's like well i don't i hate having to cancel anything i'd hate to you know not show up when i gave my word i'd be there and it's like yeah. well if you die you won't be showing up either yeah. so why don't you like maybe it's the, and but i know for some people the burnout comes because uh of the of a, you know they're they're great people and they feel very responsible and it almost seems selfish if they rest or they take a real vacation or they yeah. develop a like i had no hobbies you know i yeah. to me like writing a book was like a hobby but that's really work yeah uh but but i you know i grew up playing sports and other things and then you get really involved in your career and you almost have this guilt for just relaxing with your going for a walk with your wife or just kicking back with your kids and not ever checking, you know, your, your emails all night long on your phone. And, um, and I, I almost needed permission mm. uh, from my family to be told it's okay if you don't have a, a solitary thought about work all evening tonight and you just enjoy family, yeah. um, which is, um, you know, th- th- those are issues for sure. But, uh, but, but that sense of, of responsibility that can be very deeply ingrained and like so many things in life, the very thing that probably makes us very successful is also our Achilles heel. That's right. And you, you just turn to the dark side of responsibility, work ethic, all those are great things, but they can also be what takes you down. Absolutely. And, uh, you, you know, you have a great section too on just boundaries hmm. um, and relational boundaries. You actually say something kind of provocative. You say, maybe you don't need to be reading all those books that you're reading. What, uh, or, <laughs> or watch, you know, watching the news every night. I thought that was very appropriate for these days. Yeah. So in there, give the example, my, my wife one day just said, I need to, you know, stop watching news. She had been just kind of letting news, news flood her and, she realized, man, I'm, I'm more negative and I'm irritable and things of that nature. And she goes, I, I think it's because of, you know, that. So that was kind of a personal example. Uh, 
earlier this year, I was at a conference and I was in the room kind of just prepping my mind before speaking. And I noticed this gentleman was just kind of kind of standing outside the door. And I said, hey, you know, what's up? He's like, do you have a minute? And I was like, for sure. Well, 30 minutes later, great conversation, <laughs> a great example. And maybe if you're listening right now, you can empathize. He was trying to make a decision and he kept referring well, he was reading this book and this book and listening to this podcast and, you know, and I said, and again, this is, I usually ask questions and I don't like tell people what to do. I said, mm -hmm. stop, stop. And he was like, stop what? I said, stop reading, stop mm -hmm. listening. And he's like, but that's how I, I said, you're looking to make sure that you have the best answer and you just keep going and going and going and going. I said, I bet you anything, you already have enough information to make a wise decision. Stop. Make mm. the decision. And so anyways, 30 minutes in this conversation, and he followed up with me a week or two later, and he said, I made the decision. I already knew what to do, but I was just afraid to do it. So I thought, well, I'll just keep listening and reading, and it'll get me there. He goes, but it never mm. got me there. And so I think sometimes what we do is a couple of things. One, that's an example. Two, there's a little bit of arrogance, I think, in some of our worlds that the more we read, like it makes us feel better or it lets us talk about it as if it's like some uh, accomplishment or prize to be obtained, right? There's that piece. I think there's some, there's some intellectual arrogance. The more I know, mm -hmm. I can speak about everything and okay, big deal. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I tend not to enjoy being around those people because for the obvious <laughs> reasons, right? Versus the leader that doesn't know everything or read everything, but is great at asking questions about things. Hmm. And I think like sometimes we forget in leadership that we're not responsible for knowing a little bit about everything or knowing a lot about everything. But what great leaders do is they show up with a learning posture and they seek to ask people questions to learn about them. Yeah. And I don't have the pressure to answer all the questions. I don't know. I know probably very little and mm -hmm. that's okay. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes giving ourselves a break from having to read or having to listen. People ask me all the time, well, well what podcast do you recommend? I'm like, I mean, I'll listen to some, you know, and I mm -hmm. said, but it ebbs and flows if I'm working out at the gym, which is not my favorite, by the way, but I do it because it's a <laughs> discipline. Mm -hmm. And, but I'll listen there and, you know, so I think it's, do I need to listen? Why am I listening? How can it be helpful? And honestly, sometimes we just allow too much in our minds um, and that we got to give our brains just like a little bit of space because sometimes there's a burden. The more I listen to, the more I feel the need I have to do. Yeah. And maybe yeah. you don't need to do anything. Maybe it's just taking a breath and going, you know what? I'm going to enjoy right now, you know? And maybe your learning is I'm going to sit with people and I'm going to ask Dr. Blackaby five questions today or, you know, whoever it might be. So it could be just a different way to look at things. So, yeah. And I, you know, I, you, you go into the leadership section of a lot of bookstores and there's, you'll see lots of books with really intriguing titles. And, uh, I've always got a stack of about two dozen books that I'm reading into. I'll, I'll finish all of them at some point, but I'm, I, I, Oh, I got to read that too. Or a friend yeah. just sent me this. I need to read that. And I, um, but it's, it could be overload. It's, it's a lot of stuff that has, there's lots of great ideas there. There's no way you can implement all of them, follow up on all of them. But now you've got all this unfinished stuff now in front of you. That's you, you feel guilty for not doing or not being yes. better at. And, yes. uh, and I've, I think, you know, as I get older, 
they're just there's a beauty in in just simplifying and mm. saying i you know like paul says this one thing i do <laughs> you know it's like i need to just know the things that at this stage of my life i do well and if i knock that if you if you get a home run every game you don't need to be up to bat 20 times mm. Just, just get that home run, and you'll. Every team in the league will want you on their team. Mm-hmm. Just do what you do well, and then don't get on a bunch of guilt trips about all the other things you're not doing. Uh, and I thought that was that was wise. Uh, just creating that space in your life and letting your mind rest, uh, not with just reading right to the right before you go to bed or watching the news and having things swirling about and no, just time to just take a deep breath and and rest mm-hmm. and. Uh, but you had lots of uh, lots of great uh, wisdom in there and experience, and you, you've obviously, uh, and you work not just with pastors but uh, business leaders as well as I do, and uh, lots of same similar kind of leadership issues. It's it's leadership. It's mm-hmm. you know when you're relying upon the Holy Spirit, it's a little different, but mm. a lot of leadership is the same. And but if you uh, just for our listeners. Um, after all, all that you've written and uh, and, and done, we're, and we'll certainly have all the uh, the links in the show notes, so you can find out how to get this book and others. Uh, you've got a great book too. The is it called the Comeback uh, Effect? Is that mm-hmm. that's correct? Yeah. That um, as someone that was trying to help uh, churches be uh, as uh, responsive and welcoming for those who came and checked you out the first time and want to come back, another mm-hmm. great book. We'll list all those there, but but Jason, if you just had one last um, piece of advice, because uh, I'm sure that there are people listening that are saying, you know what, I've got people telling me I'm a prime candidate for burnout too if I carry on with this same trajectory. Uh, you've got lots of great stuff there. You talk, you've got a great list of 11 different kinds of people to have in your life to help you, so you aren't you it, you, you diffuse a lot of those forces that are pushing you that way. Mm-hmm. But if you, uh, if, if you just had uh, one last piece of advice to say, after all I've seen and read, here's something I just leave you, uh, for those of you that think you might be a candidate for this, yeah. uh, what, what would you suggest? Um, there's a, there's actually a chapter in the book and it's called uh, embrace peace. Hmm. And the reason that chapter is chosen embrace is because peace is already by you and peace is already in you. Hmm. And it's not your responsibility to, to find it, or to create it. Like the, the peace that God wants to give you is already available to you. And, hmm. and when you feel overburdened and when you feel weighed down and maybe you find yourself in a place of burnout and you don't, you can't even muster up the energy to believe that it's true, but you know it's true. I would say this, that in the midst of all of the pieces around you, peace is still available to you. And yeah. as you navigate, you know, you're, you're exhausted or you're close to burnout or you're in the burnout season, or maybe you're, you're new in your leadership role and you're trying to prevent it, wherever you are on the spectrum, the, the power of peace, the peace that God gives to us that is beyond, doesn't even make any sense mm-hmm. is, is there for you. And it's easy to get discouraged. And as soon as you get discouraged, it's like you, it's just, you go down this hill. And so I want to encourage you to be reminded that it may feel exhausting, may feel a moment that hopeless, but, but peace is available to you and it, you can have hope and you can Mm. reach out to people and you can pray, but you're not created to do this alone. And I want to encourage you that it is possible 
to thrive, even when you're at that spot that kind of feels like, I've just got nothing left. It's mm. okay, because I will say you're not alone. There are other people that you're in good company because there are other people that are just like you. And many, many have found hope and that peace and have worked their way out of that. And you can do, and that's what I hope this book is. It's an encouragement yeah. to remind you, you can thrive in ministry for the long haul. Wow. And I, you know, Jason, I really appreciate that word hope because to me, it's, I think what, what puts people over the edge into burnout is not lots of hard work, not even frustrations or disappointments. It's when you lose hope. Yeah. And and you realize, because you can always get up another day and work hard another day, but if you've lost hope that things are ever going to change, that they'll ever get better, that you can get yeah. out of this uh, hole that you're in, that's that's when you really are in the place of burnout now. And so, yeah, I, any of our listeners who perhaps are just feeling that emotional weariness, uh, certainly want you to know there is hope. You, you're, it is not a hopeless situation. Mm -hmm. It may seem that way. When you're emotionally weary, it's hard sometimes to see how things could still be hopeful. That's uh, right. And that's where, that's where you need others walking with you who can perhaps see what you don't see right now and mm -hmm. assure you, if you hold on and take some of these healthy steps that are outlined in the book, uh, you can, you can get out of there and, uh, you can move on beyond that. So thank you, uh, Jace. I knew that our time would race by you're a wealth of experience and knowledge and insight i really encourage people to get this book it's an easy book to read there's lots of uh, examples and some testimonials from others uh that have been in the journey as well that share their story so it's a well-written uh very informative practical book and uh and i encourage you to reach out to jace as well he's got a great ministry and a lot of different things that he's doing right now to walk with people and organizations but uh, Jason, thanks for the time you've given us. I know you're a busy guy, and uh, we really appreciate the time you've given us today. Thank you, Dr. Blackby. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackby.org.